What's up and welcome back to the Secret Sauce Podcast. I've been working to get this guest on the podcast since I launched it almost two years ago. I'm so excited to announce that I've got Erin Franklin joining me today. She's an operator in the south part of Chicago at Chick-fil-A Ford City. You'll learn very quickly why I knew from our first conversation ever that she needed to come on this podcast. Three major themes that Aaron is going to share with us today. Number one, we're going to discuss what it looks like to lead out of authenticity. Secondly, she's going to talk about how community builds commitment to each other's success and is needed if we are going to survive the pressures of leadership. Lastly, we'll dig into our willingness to do hard things whether that's choosing to run a marathon during one of the busiest seasons of your life or choosing to lead a store in a challenging area with unique opportunities to impact lives. Let's dive in. It's finally happening. I never thought it would happen because my guest today has been somebody that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. She would not say that she is a podcast person. So we're getting a little bit outside of the comfort zone, but I want to take a moment and welcome to the Secret Sauce Podcast, Erin Franklin. Thank you for finally joining us, Erin. I'm so excited to be here. It'll be my first podcast appearance and first podcast listening all in the same time. (laughs) I told Erin before she came on the show that one of the requirements if you are on a podcast is that you have to listen to the podcast. So this is one of the ways that I'm getting her to be a subscriber to the Secret Sauce podcast at the same time, being a guest of the podcast. Erin, the first question that I love to start with is a sauce-oriented question here on the podcast. So I know some things about you because we're friends you ran a marathon not too long ago, a couple of years ago, which we'll talk about more on the episode today in our conversation. It's part of your leadership style, but I'm going to paint a hypothetical situation for you. I know that when you're running a marathon, energy levels get depleted, right? And you got to have something to sustain your energy to power through the hours of running that you're doing. Let's just imagine for a second, instead of like the cool gel energy bites or the fruit that a normal marathoner would consume on their marathon run, you have to consume a Chick-fil-A branded sauce on your marathon. What sauce are you just down in to sustain your energy levels to be able to make it through the marathon? I would probably choose Polynesian sauce. Now, my normal everyday go-tos in life are much spicier than that. So probably sweet and spicy sriracha or buffalo sauce, but I'm just not feeling the spicy vibes while on a, on a 26 mile run. So Polynesian, good, simple sugars for the energy, keeping me going a little sweet to take down. I think that's the way to go. Nice. Yeah. The spicy route sounds a little dangerous on a marathon run. (laughs) does not sound appealing. Polynesian does though. It's got the sugariness to it would help you power through. So I can't wait to witness Erin on her next marathon, just grabbing a Polynesian sauce out of your belt, fanny pack. And (laughs) that's awesome. Well, I want to get into our conversation today and some of the really cool things that we're going to get the chance to talk about, Erin. I want to tee you up just by asking if you had to label Aaron's secret sauce for leadership. If you had to slap a label on it and say, you know what, this is the thing 
that I hope my team thinks about when they experience my leadership or the thing that I focus on to try to be as valuable as I can be as a leader? What What is that thing for you? The thing I try to really embody in my restaurant with the team I lead is helping people be their best version of their authentic selves, right? And mm. by being authentic, it means we accept people for where they're at. So one of the things that people hear me say the most around restaurant is that we are human here and humans are messy and humans make mistakes. So I will never present myself to be perfect to my team. In fact, they have heard quite a few random hot mess stories about my attempts to bake pancakes for my kids and things like that that go horridly wrong. And I'm not going to attempt to be perfect for them. And I don't expect them to be perfect for me. I think some of our best stories come out of really allowing ourselves to be real with others. That's great. I know a question that Truett Kathy used to always ask people was, are you having fun? And while he could have asked a number of different questions about the business, he always asked, are you having fun? And I think it's really difficult to have fun, Aaron, when you have to come to work and put on a, a perfect face for everybody that's around you. And so that's why I love your secret sauce so much, just the authenticity and the vulnerability that you're injecting into the culture where people can show up and be themselves. And as a result, likely have fun and don't take yourself too seriously, right? Feel free to share the stories about just absolutely messing up pancakes for your kids that morning, right before you got there. So when you think about a culture of vulnerability or authenticity, Aaron, I'd love to hear what are some of the the primary pillars of that? When you think about how that builds out and gets adopted by others? Are there certain things that, you know, have to be in place for that, that to not only be able to be lived out by you, but be able to be lived out by your team at the same time? We have to trust each other as a team to be willing to share the messy pieces of our life. And so when you are willing to open up to somebody else and share something and be authentic and vulnerable to who you are, it allows them to feel like this ability to admit when they might be wrong. It allows them to feel like they can ask questions when they don't know the answer and allows them to, again, come in with a little bit more freedom when everything else is is hard in life. They can come in and still be their best version of themselves because they know they're going to be accepted and loved. But it doesn't happen if you don't give it back. So as the operator in the restaurant, I have to start by modeling. And so it does mean that if I have to tell them I couldn't make the pancakes last night because I realized my milk in my refrigerator was two weeks expired and don't worry, like I don't have my life together all the time either. So you don't have to have it either. And so then it it opens up so many different levels of being willing to admit where they need to grow in their leadership, where it means they need to ask forgiveness of somebody else in the restaurant that they may have wronged. Right. It allows you just to have so many more honest conversations that can take them further, that can heal our team faster, and allows us to give better, more genuine hospitality to our guests. How would you recommend, Aaron, if if somebody, if there's a leader listening right now and they're recognizing, man, I've I've tried to put on a front or I've expected 
too much perfection out of my team and I don't have the trust that Aaron's talking about right now, what would be the first thing that you'd say to that leader if they were trying to have a healthier culture, one that you're talking about describing right now? It's a great question. I would say like start with like the small steps with the one person that you're closest to that you kind of trust the most in the team and be willing to say something just completely out of your norm with them in a, mm-hmm. a nice closed corner where you can be real with somebody, you know, just invite them to be real back with you. And it doesn't have to be in that moment or scripted, make it fun and show how your willingness to admit when you might be wrong can be a way that helps the team succeed. And that's going to open up so many different things for the members of your team and therefore the experience they give. That's good. The phrase, a leader knows the way, goes the way and shows the way Mm. comes to mind as you're explaining some of the first steps that you could take. A lot of what you said was was modeling it first. So Mm -hmm. be the person that opens up and shares the vulnerability in the conversation that needs to be shared before other people will jump on board and do the same. Um, Really cool. I know that community is something that we're both super passionate about. It's something that we both understand the value of. And that plays out in a lot of different ways I know in your life. But why do you think it's so important to create community and relationships and the vulnerability piece, I think, feeds right into this, but I'd love to hear your take on why that's so important. Well, I think it's so important from so many different levels, right? Community in your in your business, it, it does. It allows people to have fun. When people have fun together, when they care more about the other person that they're serving right alongside with, it's going to give them a better reason to succeed. So when you build that community, when you do life together with people outside of just show up and put some fries in a bag, you're going to care more when you know that that's the person that you have to go do a five mile training run with tomorrow. You have to be able to like literally sweat through life with that person. If you're going to go volunteer together, you're going to have a little bit more commitment to that person's success and therefore the business's success and less pressure just to do things because like this is just a job I have to do, but it's more I get to do it. From a standpoint of as a leader, community being important, um, I can't tell you how many times I have discussions with operators or different uh, leaders in different industries that talk about how it is lonely at the top right? When all that burden and pressure is on you to continue building your business in the correct way to provide a livelihood for the 90 to 100 team members that are working for you, there's so much pressure. And then let's not even forget our whole personal lives at home, right? We still have kids and we still have real life and bills and it all builds up, right? And who else can you turn to? Because nobody understands your unique pressures of being at the top of your organization. And so building that community with other leaders, sometimes that's within your own circle, professionally speaking. And sometimes that's about building community outside of work to specifically give yourself that release. All of that's important because this is too much to do alone. That's good. I heard 
two different things that were really valuable there that you shared, Aaron. The first thing was doing things with your coworkers that are outside of the normal day-to-day four walls of the restaurant. I mean, you mentioned some things like going on a run with somebody or going and serving in a nonprofit or a charity alongside of somebody that you work with and how that really unlocks the opportunity to build trust, to get to know people on a deeper, more meaningful level. And I think also to shift some of the focus away from yourself. The whole saying of humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. When you build more community and stronger relationships, you're focusing more on other people. You're not thinking as much about yourself, which is so important in the world that we live in right now. And just like the, we're in the selfie era, right? That selfies are taking over the world and self-help and self-leadership and self-awareness are all like million, multi-million dollar industries. As much as we can, I think we need to be thinking about other people. Not that focusing on yourself isn't important during certain times, but if it's all that you do, then it can be really dangerous. The second thing that I heard from you was the lo- it's lonely at the top. That's true. As much as you can bring in members of your senior leadership team who do take ownership of the business and do operate it at such a high level, ultimately when it comes down to it, they're not the one that has to answer for if the business fails. They're not the one with the keys. And so how important is it even to potentially get outside of just your typical team to be able to connect with other people who may have to handle some of those similar types of pressures on a daily basis that could be going through similar things as, as you. So that's really good. Seeking out peers that are at a similar leadership level. I'd love to hear, Aaron, even specific examples from you. How does that play out for Aaron Franklin? And we can start with just the specifically finding other people who may feel some similar types of pressures that aren't specifically on your team. Yeah, certainly. So one of the funny stories I have, Josh, I don't know if I've told you this before or not, but when I moved to Chicago to open my restaurant, it was in the middle of the pandemic. Meeting people was absolutely next to impossible. And then the restaurant opened. And so my life was crazy for a couple of months. And so finally, I found a random ad for a running club, which I do love to run. And I needed desperately to do something besides talk about chicken. And so I blindly signed up for this running club, showed up the first night, and my only goal was to not talk about chicken. And I showed up, and out of probably 60-some-odd people in the place, I started having a conversation with a young lady who asked me how I moved, why I moved there. I told her I moved up there for work through Chick-fil-A. And about 15 minutes into the conversation, she says, you know what's really funny? is that when I was in college, I actually worked at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. So my one attempt to find somebody who didn't talk about chicken, looking for community outside of just my inner work circle, and in a group of 60 people, I found the one person that had previously worked at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. So um, so I I didn't really succeed that night. That was a really huge step for me to put myself completely out of my comfort zone and start looking for community that could meet me where I was at and give me that little bit of respite of remembering that I, I'm i a person outside of Chick-fil-A 
and that I need to make sure I'm honoring who that is in addition to being able to find the community that helps me be my best version of myself inside Chick-fil-A. And so I'm pretty mindful to maintain both sides of that because we really need a lot of balance. So I use my running club as that place where I get that balance of community outside of Chick-fil-A that kind of pulls me at being my best and honoring my personal side of my life. And then really looking inside the Chick-fil-A circle, looking at other operators that walk similar paths to me, but in their own unique way. So whether that be like really reaching out to female operator community and growing relationships there, whether that's looking specifically at operators that were new around the same time I was so that we could, as we went through different struggles down the path, we could reach out to each other and be a support for each other. And then most recently, it's been really looking about how I can then turn around and then guide somebody else through those steps. So seeking the opportunity to work with new operators and just being a resource and a companion to them because they need to know somebody got through this and survived. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think about a parenting group that I'm a part of. Sometimes I just need to know that somebody else has made it through, that they've they've successfully raised kids to know that I can do it too. I just need the assuredness. Um, pass that on to me also. <laughs> yeah, yes. I want to go back to what you said earlier about your run group. I think that's yeah. hilarious that out of all 60 people, probably nobody else had, had any Chick-fil-A experience except for yeah. that one person and somehow that's got paired up. Yes. And you needing a, a break from chicken and you know, you couldn't, you just couldn't get away from it. But um, I think it's so important. You mentioned it being a part of even a creative outlet. You, we need things mm-hmm. outside of our typical day-to-day lives to remind ourselves that our value isn't, it's not our single source of value is not being the Chick-fil-A, the Chick-fil-A woman or mom, right? Or dad. We like, I like to call it the Chick-fil-A-dy. Chick-fil-A-dy. lady. There we go. But yeah, we have to be more than just that. That's actually a huge part of my step into the selection process as an operator. I worked at Chick-fil-A since I was 15 years old. Chick-fil-A was my identity. And I knew from very beginning stage that I wanted to be an operator. And one of the things I actually had to do before I felt comfortable applying for an operator position was I had to figure out that I could be okay if Chick-fil-A said no. Mm. That Chick-fil-A wasn't my only identity. That it's a huge piece of who I am and I'm a great value to them and they're a value to me, but I have value and worth in other areas of my life so that I could A, be okay if Chick-fil-A didn't see this as the right fit, but also I can be okay as an operator because the success of my business doesn't equal the success for me personally. Yes, there's a lot of great things that come with the success of the business, but it doesn't single-handedly define me. And that gives me so much more freedom to lead my business. Yeah. I've been an athlete for most of my life, Erin. And there's this concept of you you play better when you can play with a sense of freedom. Yeah. And the perspective that you just shared to be able to come into any situation, whether it's Chick-fil-A or whether it's something else, and say, I would love the opportunity to become a Chick-fil-A operator, but I can still live a fulfilling, purposeful life. 
if I'm not. I mean, even as you're thinking about going through the interview process, I imagine it allowed you to interview with this greater sense of freedom and identity that was probably really attractive to the interviewers along the way. Really great wisdom there. The I want I don't want to skip over something that you mentioned a second ago too. You talked about how getting plugged into these groups and getting to hear from people who have been through things, but then also the flip side of that coin, being able to connect with people and new operators who may be yet to go through some of the things that you've had to endure in this concept of mentorship, discipleship, to give back, and you're getting a lot of purpose from that. I think that's important for people to hear, especially everybody, wherever you're at, you've got people entering onto your team that are new to your team for the first time, and they need some of that wisdom. And even within the Chick-fil-A world, when you look at the expansion plans for the coming years and all of the new restaurants and new operators are going to be brought in, how important it is for people to feel that sense of connectedness and to have the operator who's been through it that could share some of those challenges and be vulnerable, right? So that they can then be vulnerable, going back to what we talked about earlier. That sounds like it's a big part of who Aaron is. And I wanted to make sure that we didn't just skip over that part because I think there's so much value in it. I think for me, going through the last couple of years, those first years of opening the business, and like I said, I've done this my whole entire life, right? But I had never owned a Chick-fil-A before. I had run a Chick-fil-A. I had done marketing for a Chick-fil-A. I had done a lot of things for Chick-fil-A, but I had never owned a Chick-fil-A before. The difference, the burden, the weight that you feel when you own it, it's heavier than I think even I expected. I knew it was going to be different, but it was heavier than even I expected and deeper than I expected. And so one of the things for me as I've come through it, I kind of can start to feel light in what I do and not feel heavy all the time by the burdens of the restaurant or the life circumstances of my team is I can look for and say like, hey, how can I help guide somebody else to where maybe they don't have to be in that dark feeling quite as long, that they can feel look for the little wins earlier because they may not realize that's the little win, right? Mm -hmm. So just being able to be tied into that and remembering that I can do my piece to be there for them. They still have to show up for themselves and how they choose to receive is is their own choice and their journey is going to be different than mine. So it's not going to look exactly the same, but to make sure that I'm there with the encouragement, right? She had always said, how do you know if somebody needs encouragement? You got to check and see if they're breathing, right? <laughs> so I actually just this week, I drove past another Chick-fil-A that has a newly transitioned in operator. And I was at the stoplight right in front of it. And I decided to roll down my window and snap a picture of it and just text her the picture and say like, girl, you own this. Like, that's so cool. And she texted me later that day, many, many hours later, because it was a Saturday and she's new in it. And she was like, this was such a chaotic day. You have no clue how much I needed that reminder today. It's just really cool to get to do that and make sure that they still remember why they want to do this. And in order to do so, you have to have those authentic conversations. You, you know, you circle right back to if you're authentic with them and are willing to share with them what you went through, they're going to be authentic and tell you what they need to be encouraged on the days that are a little bit harder. And I think that's something we should all be looking for the opportunities to do. 
that example is gold, Aaron. It's like when you think it, do it. I love that you're you're driving by the Chick-fil-A and just the thought came into your mind of this person, right? I think that's a superpower to be able to experience things in everyday life and to think about some of the people that you're connected with as an opportunity to encourage, but being able to snap the picture and you never know what somebody's going through the difficult day. A stoplight, I promise. Thank you for not being naughty while driving. I promise. On the, uh, okay, that's good. Thank you for clarifying, Aaron, that you weren't putting yourself and other people in danger. That's great, though. I, I mean, I think we could all benefit from doing more of that. And if you don't hear anything else, I think being an encourager is a great thing that that people could walk away with. You mentioned you've mentioned a little bit about the operator community that you're a part of, and you mentioned. South Chicago. I know that's a big part of your journey, Aaron, and you could have picked a lot of different places to go and be an operator or said, you know, focus specified on certain places, but you chose to be in South Chicago. And I know part of that is because you have a determination about you to do the difficult things that ultimately pay off in the long run. But I'd love to hear more about your story and journey to South Chicago and how that aligns with some of your personal vision? A lot of what I went through in the years shortly before I went through selection with Chick-fil-A was living after I got married and moved out. And at the time, myself and my husband, we both only worked for like $9 an hour at Chick-fil-A, right? And so we couldn't exactly afford the same type of neighborhood that my parents lived in. So we moved to a little bit more of an underserved area of St. Louis and really had to do some wrestling with what's our role in an underserved community that doesn't look the same as us in being a part of healing. So that was a big part of my my life in the years leading up to selection was where did I actually want to go and open a business, especially a business like Chick-fil-A that's really about moving outside of your four walls and making sure that you're having an impact and purpose on people. I like to go to work. I like to change lives with chicken, right? Like that's what I go to do each day. And so I had an opportunity to ask to be selected for a number of restaurants, right? And the one thing I knew I needed was somewhere that had a deeper sense of purpose. And so where my store ended up at in the South side of Chicago is a little bit more of an underserved community, right? That has people with different set of of core problems in life than what, what I was raised in, right? They're dealing with real life of siblings that got killed in drive-by shootings. They're dealing with real life issues with domestic violence. We're dealing with team members that are having to choose between paying rent for their parents and working to save their money to go to college, right? Because they want so badly to be a first-generation college student, but they have real commitments to their family to help their family succeed in life. And so we're doing things at our store that look a little bit different than some of the other stores. We're teaching financial literacy to our team about why, yes, you look really committed if you Uber to and from work every day, but when you're spending 200 to $300 a week in Uber charges, like how can we actually make decisions 
that are going to help you be able to get to and from work every day and start building a financial future. How can we weigh out if we do need to make a decision between whether we keep working or whether we go to school? Okay, how can we help create budgeting tools that can help you achieve all of your goals and not give up on being your best version of yourself? So we've had the ability to help four team members buy their first cars in the first two and a half years that we've been open. And we've actually had a young lady who at the age of 20 became the first person in three generations of her family to buy her own home. And we're doing like these incredible things there that really have nothing to do with Chick-fil-A, has nothing to do with chicken, but because we're investing in people and helping them be their best versions of themselves, they have so much more to give back to their team and the guests every day in the restaurant. And so that's part of the cool stuff we get to do by choosing a, a restaurant business location that not everybody would probably choose. The perspective on the front end to see that as an opportunity for impact, Aaron, is so inspiring from the eye test as you're evaluating your future opportunities and you're looking, a lot of people would be like, ah, that one looks like a difficult situation. I don't know about that. Not very many would have the the ability to look into that and see, you know what, there's lives there that have a tremendous opportunity for impact. Like we can sincerely change life trajectory for the people that step into the four walls of the restaurant. When you think about things like financial literacy and the opportunity to take care of their families and pursue educations and all these other things that are monumental in the grand scheme of life, it's cool to get to hear about the impact that you can have there that you may not get to have in like a traditional suburb of Birmingham, Alabama, where I am right now, right? It just doesn't exist in the same way. Not that you can't have life impact there, but but not in the same way as, as some of the environments that, that you've been in. And it's cool that it was a part of your story that led you to that. It was yeah. what you went through in like early marriage and having to make decisions you know, on a budget that opened your eyes about the opportunity that existed there in on, on the South part of Chicago. So super cool. But I know this is a theme. This isn't an isolated incident for you in choosing to own the restaurant where you are. You have a really funny story that I've heard you tell before, but I want the audience to get to hear about your first year of becoming an operator, going back to your passion of running that we talked about a second ago. Bring it full circle for everybody if you don't mind sharing the story. As a runner, you move to a city where there's a world major marathon. Like there's just this like little nagging piece inside of you that says, well, I live in Chicago. I probably ought to try to run Chicago Marathon. And in my head, I thought this could be like a good way to keep me balanced in that first year of the business. I thought I could say I'm going to try to run Chicago Marathon. But the truth is, you can't just say you're going to run Chicago Marathon. It's a lottery. You have to put your name in and hope that you get selected. And so the funny thing is, is that sometimes when you say you hope you get selected for Chicago Marathon, you might actually be secretly hoping that you don't get selected to run Chicago Marathon. Because I kind of had a 
thousand other things going on because I just opened a business. And yes, running is a really good, healthy way to keep my brain clear and allow me to be a better leader and to not dive head deep into the uh, restaurant in that first year. But I entered the lottery really planning on saying, oh, well, I didn't get in. Except when God has a funny way of changing your life trajectory for you, as it turns out, I did get into Chicago Marathon. (laughs) And so here I am four months into the restaurant being open and it's time to start my 20 some odd week training plan for Chicago which meant I really did again, like I had to seek out that community. So I had my running club. I actually sought out a very specific training team for the marathon. They, they were kind of more of my serious running friends. And then my running club's kind of more of my fun and goofy running friends. Um, you might be able to catch the vibe that I need both in my life. And so when I say I needed a break from like something that would pull me out of the restaurant. There's nothing like a good five-hour training run on a 85-degree August Saturday to get your head out of the restaurant and never desire more to get back into the restaurant <laughs> all at the same time because I'd rather be anywhere but that long run. It's sometimes you just have to choose to do those hard things and to be able to get through the first year, the restaurant, to be able to train and do one of the hardest physical tasks that's out there to be able to accomplish all of those things at the same time and know that they're just a unique piece of who I am now. It's just, it was a really cool timing to get to do that then, even if I secretly was hoping I didn't have to do it then. I'm really glad I did and I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have changed it for anything. So funny. It's like the be careful what you wish for. Correct. <laughs> phrase. Yeah. I, um, I mean, what a good accountability partner having to run in one of the most world renowned marathons yeah. is a, is a great source of motivation to mm-hmm. get outside of the restaurant and invest in something that will ultimately make you healthier mentally, yeah. physically, emotionally, all the things so funny to get to hear that. I imagine when you got the news, Aaron, and you're like four months in and you're in it as an operator at that point, you're like, oh my goodness, like what what have I gotten myself into? But I think a testament, you choosing the difficult things in life that in the long term pay off. Yeah. Uh, something that my, my wife and I regularly say to our kids is we do hard things. Yeah. And they're in the stage right now where they don't want to clean up their mess or, you know, they don't want to go back and apologize to that person. But we do hard things. We do the things that are difficult because we know the impact that they'll make in the long run. And I know de- delayed gratification, choosing to do the hard things now that will pay off in the long run is one of the biggest indicators of success. Would you say that's a big part of who Aaron is at this point? Absolutely. You just have to choose to do hard things sometimes. Sometimes it's to get to see and prove to yourself what you're capable of doing. And sometimes it means that you learn hard lessons about things that, you know, you chose it and it didn't go the way you planned. But because of that, you get to go on and do something even cooler. You know, failure doesn't always mean growth and so or growth in the way you imagined it. It always leads you to some form of growth. It's just not 
always the what you thought it was going to be. But one way or another, those hard things, whether it's really getting to celebrate it at the end, whether it's getting to see a journey that took longer than you thought, but still gets you to that end result, all of those things, they really define who you are and who you get to be going forward. And they're always going to help speak to somebody else who needs to hear that story too. That's so encouraging to hear, Aaron. And I think a great way to tie a bow on our conversation today uh, to really bring it all together. What I heard you say was doing the doing the hard things, going through through some of those struggles ties into then the opportunity to be vulnerable with the people that are around you about those hard things that you're going through. And then in time, build the community and the relationships that you need and they need to be able to succeed. Really hit the trifecta there on all of the things that, all the ingredients that I would, I would call them ingredients now that make up Aaron Franklin's secret sauce for the way that you lead and engage with people. I want to take a moment and just say thank you for doing the hard things, for being a source of encouragement to all of us that are, that are listening to you and it, it's hard to do the hard things. I know that's redundant, but it's true. in the day-to-day, you know, you don't always see the big picture and you got a million questions of doubt, but um, in the long run, we know that it, that it all pays off. So thanks for coming on. I wanted to give you the opportunity, any, any parting wisdom, anything you wanted to leave people with, and then we'll wrap it up. Just be willing to embrace life for what it is, where it takes you. And even if the journey's hard, especially embrace it then. And don't forget to circle back and encourage other people on that journey that are coming behind you because you never know when somebody else needs that encouragement. So it's great, Erin. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I'm sure you will see very soon that notification that you've got a new subscriber ready to be an avid podcast listener to The Secret Sauce. (laughs) Thanks, Erin. See you later. Well, I am beyond excited that we now have a new follower of the podcast and Aaron Franklin. In all seriousness, thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on and sharing so much value with the audience today. I know many of you are entering into the end of the year and you're starting to think about what is 2024 going to look like for my team? And man, I would love it if my team was more fired up about leading authentically and vulnerably and creating community and doing the hard things to help us grow. If you have any of those desires and you want to see it scale to a team level, there has never been a better time to jump on board with WildSpark. We just released a native app that has seen really high engagement and that is positively impacting people's lives through the way that we deliver content. There's new content around topics that are just really relevant for the challenges that we all face as leaders and how we're continuing to level up. And so please reach out to me. There will be a way to do that here in the episode description if that's at all of interest to you as you're entering into strategic thinking and planning for 2024. We will see you next time on the Secret Sauce Podcast. Stay saucy.